Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, I'm Eric Eastep. And I'm Scott Reedley. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back. Scott, how was your week? It was all right. I I'm, uh, enjoy the 4th of July. We uh, we had a really nice uh, bonfire. And, oh, and I bet uh, the best guests. We had great guests, and um, <laughs> it was just a really relaxing day. Uh, I... In fact, uh, because I'd been on sabbatical, I just told Marcia, I said, I really want to be quiet on this day. Just kind of do nothing. And she gave me like a half a dozen things. Are you sure you don't want to do this? Are you sure you don't want to do this? And I said, no, let's just like take it chill. And I was sort of able to channel two months of sabbatical into one day. Because oh. it was like, oh, this is what that was like. I remember. So, yeah, so you that were was practicing good. some rest on a weekly basis. I 100% rested. So, yeah, <laughs> it was really good. I was really thankful. Good. And we, as mentioned in the last podcast, we went to the parade in Canby, which was great, and then had a bonfire at your house. We there were wonderful hosts. It was good. Um, but it, it was fun just on the, I don't know, political side or America side. I really like just being at those parades, and it's a, it's a bit of Americana, really. Oh, just it's, the, it's 100% Americana. Yeah. That's what Americana is. It, yeah, it's it, a patriotic parade. It's a significant parades. amount of it, and it, there's a good, there's, there, there's a good patriotism that's enjoyable and fun and just seeing kids run after candy and get excited about fire trucks. That's also very cool. So that was fun. And then we got back from vacation, um, not vacation, but the holiday, the day, the single day off in the middle of the week. And what did we see? We saw a bunch of reporting on fundraising numbers for the coming political election. And by coming, I mean a year and a half away. Well, you mean it, the whole <laughs> thing's already started. I guess right. that's the, the deal is, I mean, my first reaction is, who cares? Second real, you know, my second reaction is, after I, after I kind of dismiss it and say, who cares? The next thing is, game on, and <laughs> I better wake up. This is coming whether I want it to or not. Yeah, you're, you're saying, who cares from the bench than realizing you're running onto the field trying to put your helmet on. <laughs> kind of, yeah. 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 So th those are happening, and may maybe you're not paying attention. Maybe you are, but maybe you are... Uh, at some level of leadership at your church, and you're like the the life group leader I was talking with a couple weeks ago, who was realizing the election's coming and a little bit nervous about it because he recognizes that he disciples people. So um, we want to today just talk about how do we disciple people in this coming election? Not coming, it's here. There is no coming, it's here. <laughs> yeah, um, well, let's, we got to adjust. We're, we're we have in to the adjust. election season. That's right. Uh, especially because it's a presidential election uh, cycle. And if you are discipling someone, um, the question you should be asking is, how do I disciple them politically? How do I help them think well about the political world they live in and engage it in a, in a helpful way? Yeah, I think there are a couple of things. I mean, first of all, we believe the Great Commission uh, mm -hmm. puts it on all of us mm -hmm. to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded. And he's with us always to the end of the age. 
we believe that he gave that to all of us. So the question of discipling, yes, it's for a life group leader or it's for mm-hmm. a, you know, some kind of a senior person maybe, but it really is for every Christian. Mm-hmm. And I think with regard to uh, politics, how we disciple the church politically is going to be one of the key questions that we will have to face in this next year. Right. Because if we, you know, if, if we neglect it, this is kind of why we started Sit on a Hill, because I had been neglecting it with our church and with my own self even. Um, if we neglect it, we will be sorry right. in the next, what, 16 months or something. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think to to disciple people well, especially to take Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty seriously, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Okay, now we're talking about organization of all of existence in an authority structure. Jesus at the top. Okay, I need to talk about that well, and then teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. If you ignore the political side of life, um, you're ignoring a key part of what it means to explain. Or who Jesus is and what he's done and how to engage right. the world accordingly. If you ignore authority, mm-hmm. namely governmental authority or political authority or, or anything else, you've ignored the Great Commission because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Right. That's his starting point for this discipleship because of his, because um, of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if he's going to be the authoritative king in heaven and on earth, we are going to have to adjust our politics to that. Right. And that's the broader context of Matthew as a whole, all right. about the kingdom. Yeah. Right. And which you know, you know, I don't you're right. It is the context of Matthew. I don't want it to just say, "Oh, yeah, we're talking about Matthew, so we're talking about the kingdom." No, I'm talking about being a follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. so I talk about the kingdom. Mm-hmm. I am anticipating uh, the new heavens and new earth one day, so I'm talking about the kingdom. Right. And the kingdom of heaven is like the, it needs to be, the, I think, the water we swim in, which mm-hmm. means then by definition, because it's its own kingdom, it is a political issue. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's one of the things, and we're, I don't know if we're going to get to this later, but. There's more episodes to come <clears throat> as well. <laughs> oh, we're going to do this again. <laughs> um, mo- when, when people think about political discipleship, what I typically hear is, how should I vote? Mm. And we want to give people like, here is the Christian way to vote. Right. And as though that is uh, disciple, discipling or making disciples in the political arena as we tell them how to vote. And, you know, that that's actually kind of all I thought of, all I saw for the, I don't know, first 27 years of my Mm. ministry and the first, you know, three quarters of my life anyway. And the reality is that there isn't a Christian way to vote. You know, there are, there are Christian perspectives really on most every issue. Mm -hmm. Some of them don't fall in line with candidate A or candidate B. Mm-hmm. In fact, they won't. Or party A or party B. Right. There yeah. will be some on both sides. And to give an honest Christian evaluation, you have to take into consideration all those things. And it is a very complicated thing. But um, I guess all that I say all that because I, I think when we're talking about making disciples of the church politically, we have to go beyond what... Um, 
how are you going to vote? Mm-hmm. In other words, it, it really is how do I live as a you know citizen of the kingdom of heaven and simultaneously a, a citizen of a lesser kingdom? And how do I keep those things ordered? Mm-hmm. How do I live in this lesser kingdom in a way that reflects the authority of Jesus, mm-hmm. in a way that reflects his presence with me? And those things that are kind of central, really, to being a Christian. And I think that that's what we miss in some respect, thinking we're going to land on the Christian way to vote. Right. We jettison sometimes the reputation of Jesus mm-hmm. because we'll <clears throat> that becomes less important. Right. And that's – so anyway, when we're talking about – discipling the church politically we're not talking about getting the right you know check mm-hmm. you know box checked or filled in completely right. with black ink so here's that, your guide that yeah. yeah and i think that that's it's just been um that's not been holistic enough i think right. for the church to recognize here's my here's my public life mm-hmm. it's more you know how do I how do I do this or that and and we don't approach anything else like that. You right. know, I mean, I <clears throat> I have some strong opinions about I don't know how parents raise their children. I have strong opinions about um, some other things that I, but nobody says okay. I don't really want to think about raising my kids. Just tell me what I should do. Mm. I mean, really, nobody says that. Right. I wish they would. <laughs> Because <laughs> I have strong opinions. I have strong opinions. I but they don't. You. But they don't. And so, you know, I think we're kind of in this same thing where we've got to recognize with respect to, to politics, that's not, I mean, that's just not a holistic approach. It's not, a, you mm-hmm. can't, you can't raise your kids by doing what I tell you because there's so many other things. Right. And you can't be a Christian in public and have a, you know, a public facing, um, witness as a disciple of Jesus if it's merely, you know, somebody saying do this or do that or check this box, check that box. Right, and I just explaining to someone or telling someone how to vote is not political discipleship. You need political discipleship would be teaching someone how to hope, I think. And if okay. if you're attached to if you're realizing I am attached to a king of a kingdom of the entire universe, my hope is put in a different place. And learning and thinking through and pondering how does that work out in every area of life, that's that's how I hope. That's how that's um, that would be political discipleship, and that changes the way you vote. Probably that changes the way you engage your neighbor. That changes the way you engage elections and all of those things. But it's it starts at a much higher spot. Well, and it it, it change it doesn't just change that though. I mean, mm-hmm. because what you're talking about is is recognizing uh, I'm going to say it idolatry. Mm-hmm. In other words, am I am I counting on something else to give me right. hope, uh, satisfaction, comfort, protection, security, mm-hmm. all the things that an idol would, a capricious idol would mm-hmm. um, offer you in exchange for your loyalty? The same thing that happens in politics, but it happens, you know, if you drive the right car or if you mm-hmm. get the right job or you live in the right neighborhood. I mean, there's mm-hmm. we make lots of idols about a lot of things, and so what you're, I, I like that you. Uh, you know, elevated it, uh, the political discipleship, basically to the discipleship in all areas, because my hope is not 
Okay, I'll go back to even the parenting that I was talking about. My hope is not that I'll have, you know, my kids will turn out great or, you know, have be problem-free or be healthy or anything like that because I can make an idol of kids. Right. And that's some of it. So we've just got to struggle, I think, and continually check ourselves with regard to that. And that's hopefully hopefully placing the political discipleship of the church in context with the rest of the discipleship of the church mm-hmm. might be a good place to start. And that's yeah. kind of what you just did, I think. Yeah. Well, let, let's get a little bit practical. Uh, so let's say I'm, I'm sitting across one-on-one with someone trying to help them place their hope in the right spot, or uh, maybe it's with a small group of people and I'm recognizing, okay, there's some fear going on with this group because of the election or something. Where would you start? What, what do you, okay, they're right there in front of me. What do I do? Well, after having uh, done this podcast here for a couple of years and been trying to like talk about politics, one of the things that I'm learning is that people don't, always like you to talk politics to them. You know, I, <laughs> I like that you laugh about that because it wasn't intended to be funny. It's like what I've learned. It's just true. And I think that the temptation to, to, to think of disciple making as content delivery or as mm. I'm going to persuade you of the right thing to do or the right way to think or the right way to hope or what, and I'm going to, you know, wag my finger at you and tell you this is how it's supposed to happen. Mm is not the right thing. And, um, and that, that's one of the reasons we're doing this early mm-hmm. because, it, because what I'm about to say is gonna be a much longer term uh, solution than, than you know, somebody coming to you at the last minute saying, how should I vote? And you, right. you know. And we'll take practice. Yeah. You this won't. isn't a one-time conversation and oh, we did it, I, I fixed it. Yeah, everyone's different. And so, so my first thing is just Ask questions, listen, draw out people's point of view. Now I say it's long term because, you know, in all honesty, most of the times I do this, I don't get to talk, mm. and so I don't really get um, to. You might say m- make disciples in that moment, but this is a long term thing. Is we're mm-hmm. starting sixteen months ahead mm-hmm. in hopes that you can begin to do this, and when, you know, the push comes to shove closer to the election, you'll have your turn. Mm -hmm. Um, But that'll be, I think that's important because no one really does that. Right. And if you do, you will be the unique person in their life and you will become trustworthy because they can talk to you about it. Um, And I think the other thing that will happen is that when they talk, they will intentionally or unintentionally uncover where their true hope lies and how their Christianity influences their fears or feelings about the election. And you'll know, you you know, you'll know what to say and you might be able to say far less, Mm -hmm. but more effectively Mm -hmm. than give your whole spiel. Right. Just that they don't even care about because you've listened to them first. And I, I would say that, you know, most of disciple making and most of pastoring is really listening rather than talking. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, and in your answer may be very specific and catered. You don't need seven books of information for them because you've been listening. Oh, you you have a specific question or a specific fear about a specific thing, mm-hmm. and you can address that um, precisely. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's also helpful to. So that's that's very practical. I think just at a at a broad level, and we've kind of already talked about it. But 
be pointing people to the King, be pointing people to Jesus, um, and see that as your goal, not I want them to have a particular view of American democracy, um, but have them um, be aiming towards the King, looking towards the King. And I mean, that's really, we're back to Matthew 28. <laughs> to mm-hmm. Teach them about Jesus, help them understand um, really the magnificence of Jesus, the the comprehensive redemptive nature of what he did and how big that is. And if you give if you give them eyes to that, uh, that can overshadow a lot of other things and and push other things aside that would t- try to take the place of of the king and the gospel. Um, so n- realize that's your role. You're discipling people to be followers of Jesus. So if if your emphasis is not Jesus, the king, um, you, you may not be discipling them towards Jesus. Well, I think it's, you know, I think it is uh, at this, at that point, and again, I, that sounded to me not that practical. That wasn't practical. Like I do that, <laughs> you know, whatever. But the, practically speaking, you know, as you listen to people and as you give, reflect back to them kind of what they're saying, helping them recognize the, you know, the Americanness of their opinion or mm-hmm. the Republican or the Democrat nature of their opinion as opposed to the kingdom mm-hmm. nature of their opinion. So you're you're pointing them to the king, but you're doing it by listening and reflecting, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, gun rights or green policy or um, taxes or immigration. Those are things that concern us very much mm-hmm. as Americans. You step back from, you know, at least some of those things and say, you know, how much does Jesus care about these things? Mm. And all of a sudden you realize, hmm, that's a, uh, that's a different question. Or you think, how do Christians in Australia or in India or in China or in, you know, Great Britain view these things? Well, that's different. That gives you a, just a different perspective that is probably going to be closer to the kingdom mm-hmm. than your um, entrenched uh, thing. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not against people voting because they are Republicans or Democrats or mm-hmm. care about Republican issues or Democrat issues, but I want them to know that there is a difference mm-hmm. between that, you know, their American or, you know, partisan perspective on that than there is what the scripture says about it and right. what what how Jesus cares about that thing. Right. And so there are things that are uh, you know sort of when 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 you when you work at that it really does simplify a lot of those things and then I'm then I can honestly say you know I'm going to vote this way because I don't want to pay more taxes. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Or I vote this way because I want to support this program that's fine mm-hmm. but don't don't feel and this is what happens when it's when you start with the voting right that i my christian position is to support this thing right and uh, there are, are not very many of those uh, kinds of issues and i'm uh, that's where we get into trouble mm-hmm. i think is to con- conflate the partisan thing with god's thing right and I think at a practical level, as you're trying to disciple someone, set set your policy preferences to the side, um, and especially the ones that 
aren't connected as as intimately as as we think they are. And I, I have a bunch of views on a bunch of different things, and we we have strong opinions about things. I ran I ran for office for crying out loud. I I, I care about some things, but if I'm discipling someone, um, a lot of those things don't matter. They can be a faithful Christian living in the public sphere um, and not agree with me on many things. Oh, so they could be a faithful Christian and not vote for you? Sure. Okay. Just just had to, <laughs> just, just had to verify. <laughs> just had to verify. Yeah, no, I think that's true. You're right. Yeah. And and if you're um and, and that's a that's a temptation for me, thinking about d- d- discipling someone I I not only want them to follow Jesus, I'd like for them to agree with me too. Sure. Um, but you can set that aside and let's focus first on helping them follow Jesus well. Uh, and that that's going to be you can you can debate later, especially if you get to a point where hey, we're uh, we're trusting that the King is in control and that um, we can engage this world in a way that assumes that first, and all these things are less lesser level issues. But now let's debate about them. We can do that. We can have those conversations. And, and here's why I think this method is is a better way to um, represent the ideals of justice and righteousness in the world. And uh, we can go back and forth about those things, but because they're lower level things, they're debate for um, debate level things. And first, let's let's point people and put their hope in the right spot, and then we can do that later. Hmm. I think in and re- kind of related to humbly setting aside your policy preferences or philosophy preferences, I think it's also helpful to remember that it's okay to say I don't know. Um, if, if someone is, is fearful about something or, or needs just help with something or needs to understand something politically or saw something on the news and they're asking you for help and you don't know, don't try to be an expert and pretend you know. Um, you can say, I don't know. And I'd, I would point you, uh, ha- run, run back to your church, talk to your elders, talk to your pastor, talk to um, the people you have that can help. That uh, I know the way we're structured here at, at New Life Church, there are um, there's life group leaders and there's elders attached to life group leaders and uh, pastoral staff and all these people are there to help equip the saints for the work of ministry and it's a it's a constant refrain hey say I don't know and then go ask for help and then you can come back with uh, with information but don't try to don't try to do it all on your own well and I would say you know even if you don't get help mm-hmm. it's okay to say you don't know true and it, yeah. because I mean that, I just heard somebody talking about what kind of pressure pastors felt in this, you know, during the pandemic was they felt like they had to be an expert on, you know, Mm. science and an expert on uh, public uh, health. They had to be an expert on, you know, church and and state and policy and organization of government. And they were kind of being (laughs) being pressed into all of these things. And, um, you know, I, I, frankly, I think I did have a lot to learn, but some of it was because I hadn't been mm-hmm. paying attention before. But some of it was, you know, I felt pressured into that. And that's mm-hmm. what I guess I want people to have freedom mm-hmm. is like, you don't have to be that. Just right. say, I'm, I, I want to follow Jesus. I want to help you follow Jesus. And I, you know, I don't have the bandwidth to go there, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And if you want, if they, if they really want to, you can probably help them find a place. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I guess I would just, say there's a little freedom in not knowing so yeah exercise that freedom yeah yeah especially in the things that are not paramount to understanding the gospel and understanding what oh, it yeah. means to be a christian um that's good I'd, I'd say be ready to address people's fears uh we are we already talked about the tidal wave of of 
fundraising reporting and and campaign things and all that things of all that nature uh this is really a time where fears are are pressed and um the the way things are reported the way things are appealed to uh everyone is being invited to fear all the time so if you're sitting across the coffee table from someone or sitting in your life group or or in a bible study or something uh you're probably the the next step is probably to address someone's fear, and you can ask them the questions. Ask them um, what why are you afraid? Uh, what do you expect to lose? What you think will be different if the the fearful outcome occurs, or the thing you don't want to happen occurs? And kind of just back to the practical, asking questions, drawing out their point of view, um, but realize people are going to be afraid, especially because the entire environment is designed it seems, uh, to have people be fearful so that they go a particular direction. That's mm-hmm. can I mean, be campaigning. Well, it is campaigning. I said can be. <laughs> just just because I, I tried to do it differently. <laughs> right. But uh, but a lot of it is. Yes. But the thing is, what you'll see and what you'll hear mm-hmm. um, is not people trying to do it differently. Right. I mean, the, right. the things that will cause you to be afraid are exactly by design because they recognize that fear motivates you Mm -hmm. even if it isn't really rational i mean almost everything you could push back on and the the awfulness of the things you're being told to be afraid of are really not likely or true or anything and so i but it gets your heart rate up and now you're and it gets your and it fires you up and anyway i i just think we have to take a step back take a deep breath and then you know, the, the thing about fear, and this, you I know, mean, I'm glad you brought that up because that will be, that's why it will be volatile mm-hmm. in the church. Mm-hmm. That's why it will be volatile in the world is because the everyone's fear temperature will go up in mm-hmm. these next um, few months. And uh, the great antidote for fear is to recognize that God is sovereign over what you're afraid of here. Mm. And if you're afraid of election, you need to know Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he will turn it wherever he wills. And, um, you know, it's not out of God's control. Or Isaiah 40, I love Isaiah 40, where it just says it is he, uh, God, who sits above the circle of the earth, its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing. It makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Mm. Now, I mean, really, we've we've actually seen this in the past, you know, few months, the past year or two. People who were ruling do stupid things that don't even make sense, and they're gone just like that. Right. And the Lord just changes things. Um, you know, if it's more of a personal fear, as if the next chapter, Isaiah forty-one ten, fear not. For I am with you, be not dismayed, for I am your God. I'll strengthen you, I'll help you, I'll hold, uphold you with my righteous right hand. Mm. You know, his right hand is his strong, you know, symbol for his strength. And so, yeah, there you're not going to run into a situation that's too much for him. And I'd also say steep yourself in the Psalms. We're in the Psalms right now, and we're just wrapping up a series of, what, five, I think it's five Psalms that are described in some commentaries as the enthronement Psalms, uh, God as King, and we're going to be doing Psalm 100 this uh, coming Sunday. And if you steep yourself in the Psalms, you're you're reminded of who God is and how big He is, just like um, just like Isaiah did. But this is from Psalm 100: Know that the Lord He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. 
Uh, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. That's just a balm for me. If I just sit there and uh, you can be fearful, I, I'm going to sit in the psalm for a second and be reminded of a song to sing or a posture to have, and that's really helpful. That's just uh, good good reminders of who God is and what he's done and, and how he has connected himself to us, and that it's, it's such a good foundation. Um, but as, as you were talking, I was just thinking about Fear is emotional often, not always rational, not always uh, the things we are being uh, appealed to, uh, especially like in a campaigning sense. It doesn't always make sense, um, which is why we were talking about don't just spew content. Don't just give them your whole list of all these political things because that's not always going to help. If, if my fear is emotional or um, because I'm attaching my hope to a wrong uh, thing, you giving me a huge list of stuff doesn't always help. But if I can uh, ask questions and pull those things out and then say, uh, here's a reason not to fear. God is good. Here's a reason not to fear. God is is big. I'm, I'm reminded of VeggieTales. God is bigger than the boogeyman. Whoever that boogeyman is, um, God is bigger. And that helps respond to emotional fears, whereas just a, a lecture does not do that. You need to, you need to uh, deal with issues of the heart, I think if you're dealing mm -hmm. with fear, not just the mind. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> it, funny you say that. I mean, you just think about, again, campaigning, how little of the campaigns are really complete uh, thoughts, how many of the debates are really substantive debates. In other words, are you really dealing with ideas or are you really dealing with sound bites that are going to fire people up? Totally. So yeah, you're totally, that's totally what this is about. It's right. not about substantive arguments and clear, well mm -hmm. thought out, nuanced thoughts. Well, the substantive arguments don't get attention or, right. or you're, you're, you're wrapping up emotional rhetoric in the package of Oh, this is this is an intellectual argument. No, no, it's not. This is all emotional. Um, this is fear mongering, and that's the people. The person sitting next across from you at the coffee shop is dealing with all of that, all of that stuff, and they are being directed to fear in a particular way. So, you can help them uh, by pointing to to a God who's bigger than all of those things. Mm -hmm. There's uh, there's fear on the one end. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that probably less urgently there is hope on the other end mm. where uh, what in a lot of times what we're hoping for will be the disappearance of this fear or the conquering of the thing that causes fear. Mm. And um, but nonetheless, I think it's important that we have uh, I mean, the other plank in your plan is probably have a plan to talk about where people put their hope because that mm -hmm. that's where the idolatry comes in mm -hmm. the fear is is in some respect i'm just not remembering or recognizing right. god is king but the hope is i actually am choosing you know sometimes unconsciously but i'm choosing to put my hope that this will get better in somebody else and not in god right and so um there's a lot of opportunities to have false saviors in political everyone sells themselves as a, right. as it they don't sell themselves as a false savior but they sell themselves as a <laughs> <laughs> vote for me i'm a false savior <laughs> <laughs> yes but promising to be the true one or the mm -hmm. one that will do it when in fact uh th they will disappoint mm -hmm. just be clear and then right. um 
anyway, I mean, remember the gospel, the story that God's writing in the world where the one redeemer is Christ mm-hmm. and he's the one that fixes the brokenness. Mm-hmm. And the true hope is when he restores the world, not when uh, a candidate wins or a policy is enacted. Right. And so, you know, you, you, you go to Revelation 21 and new heavens, new earth, and uh, uh, it says that he'll uh, dwell, God's dwelling place will be with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. There'll be no more mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he said, uh, the one who sat on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. Write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Mm. And, you know, if that's where your hope is, you're, you're good. If your hope falls short of that, um, you're hoping in something that's less and just, uh, right. you know, pay attention to that. And that's, again, we have a better hope. We have a better hope. I mean, mm-hmm. than the Republicans do. We have a better hope than the Democrats do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people say, but I am a Democrat or, but I am, you know, you know what? It's fine. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> where is your hope? Yes. Exactly. I mean, that, this is the thing. This is the problem where we identify ourselves in other ways besides as a kingdom person. Mm-hmm. We're going to, that, that secondary identity is going to pull us toward uh, a false or lesser hope. But. Well, in that phrase, he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. That is such an impactful statement. And... It's it's the that's the hope of restoration. All things uh, all things will be made new. Not we're going to slightly modify some broken things because we're in this we're in this redemptive narrative. There's creation, fall, redemption, restoration, and we're still sitting in the in the middle act between fall and redemption, where Jesus has redeemed things, but things are still broken and they're not yet restored. And misplaced hope in some uh, political end or political um, political person is really a promise to slightly modify broken things. And yeah, we can kind of tweak this, we can kind of fix this, and if you vote for me, then I can do X, Y, Z, but there is no promise of I will make all things new in any of those contexts. And we belong to a king that's gonna, that says, I will make all things new, I am making all things new. And that, again, it's just so comprehensive, so overshadowing, and if we can continue to point people there and remind them, you belong to the king that will make all things new, and yeah, you can participate here, but make sure it's at the right level. Um, if if you're belonging to the king that makes all things new, uh, you can you can participate this, but just with far less emphasis. Far your fear doesn't need to be here, um, your hope doesn't need to be here, and you can you can steward well here, you can engage well here, but man, you belong to the king, and this world will be made right someday. Not and not until he shows up. So you don't you don't have to listen to anyone that says they're going to make it right before he shows up. Yeah, and that's that's the great hope. Mm-hmm. You know, First Peter one, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Mm. And so there's all kinds of hope, and I guess I just. Uh, don't want you to settle for less than you have. And that's that's the thing, I think. So Yeah, don't settle for little hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
it's too easy to do that. And I mean, you know, one of the things you can do between, I think between now and then too, this is not on the fear or hope side is just, you know, know enough, read enough, mm-hmm. probably read is better if, especially if you mm-hmm. find sources that don't fire you up. Right. Then listening, if you listen or watch, you'll probably get fired up. Mm-hmm. And so but figure out, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to know what the issues are and how am I going to know who the people are and how am I going to be able to address fears and, and hopes that come, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, yeah, I read the numbers, for instance, that we started with mm-hmm. the campaign finance. I don't know what that means. You know, I mean, I, 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 was, I mean, I know what the numbers mean, but I don't right. know whether I should be afraid or whether I should be hopeful or anything based on that. But, but it's a starting point. And mm-hmm. I think that's sort of the thing is just pay attention enough to, to right. have your bearing. And, you know, cause some of the problems that people worry about this and some of the fears they have, have to do with the trustworthiness of the institutions that we have, mm. you know, the, the court system or the legislative system. And, right. you know, are these things going to be, you know, completely undone? in a four-year period by the next um, chief executive? Well, probably not. But, uh, you know, some of that comes from understanding civics and some other things. But right. but have just to, you know, work at it. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. That's mm-hmm. why we are, at least for me, I should, I should speak for myself. But that's one of the things that I'm doing, um, you know, in this podcast as part of it is I'm trying to learn regularly so I can be a little better prepared to, you know, not just dismiss it like I used to. Right. So, yeah. And I'd say you, you don't need to know so much that you uh, read enough news that you ha- are, have your pulse on everything that's going on and can necessarily debunk everything that is falsely said or, or misinformation or whatever. But just knowing enough, I use the word bearings, just if you're out in the ocean and some of the people on the ship are, are, are concerned about something, you need to read and know enough that you know where you are in the ocean. You just need to know what the context is. You need to know where you are um, so that you can at least speak to and ask the right questions of their fears or their hopes mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so I don't, I don't think that's a lot. I don't think that's um, hours of reading or, or all this news intake, but just enough to know where, you're, where we are, where we are in time and space um, so that you can help people uh, either allay fears or, or replace their hope on the king. So... And I think if you're, if the things you're reading are making you afraid, you're probably not reading the right thing. In yes. other words, you're reading, you're, That's a great. you're reading, um, things that are clickbait or fundraising or some other thing, not really the, an assessment or an understanding mm-hmm. of the th- issues, but rather somebody's perspective that is trying to persuade you right. and, we're not suggesting you read to be persuaded. We're suggesting you read to understand Mm -hmm. and then make up your own mind, I guess. But that's good. Anything else before we postpone till the next episode and we'll continue talking about all of this stuff. I probably (laughs) said more than I, more than I should already. So there you go. (laughs) I'll, I'll retire at this point. And he's retiring. All right. Quick announcement. Um, Well, thank you. Thank you. From this podcast. From this podcast. For today. (laughs) It's a very short retirement. (laughs) All right. Well, we will retire until next time. So don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us. That's helpful. Um, A review is helpful as well to getting this to other people. Share it with a friend. Share it on social media. Um, 
share it via text, whatever. Uh, send it to other people so we can connect with other people. If you have questions, send them to comment at cityonahillpodcast.com. And we look forward to the next conversation.